Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. Ian, I was going to stop the show real quick. I have these timeouts, but I've decided not to use them uh, just because I figure we should just just keep going. We'll just let the clock run down forever and ever until we just run out of time. How about that? I, I think you can hold on to them. I think that's what Vic Fangio thinks. Like you can just stockpile them, like your vacation days, yeah, like, like carryover. Right. He thinks that he works at a company where you don't have to use all of your vacation days over the course of the year, and, and you can just stock, you can stockpile for like two weeks for your two week European trip. There you go. I think that's that's the only re that's that's the only thing that makes any sense as to why Vic Fangio did not use his timeouts. At the end of the game, He's because up, it literally, it literally makes no effing sense to me. Yeah, it like boggles when, the mind. When they got into field goal range, there was like a minute and fifteen seconds left, and yeah. he decides, "No, I'm I'm just going to let them go down." I mean, it, it it's it's a chip shot field goal, and I have a Hall of Fame kicker who's missed two kicks, an extra point, and had one blocked. But you know, I'm going to attempt fate yeah yeah to think that steven gostkowski was gonna go 0 for 5 on the night just sort of i'm like come on i i mean i get it 
I do understand the jitters and the yips and, and, you know, I, we've all seen tin cup. I'm sure somebody went over to Goskowski and told him to take everything out of his right pocket and put it in his left pocket. Cause if, if they didn't, then they were doing him a disservice, but you know, once you get to a certain point in the NFL, you know, that even with the yips, like Goskowski's not going to miss, even if he's, even if he's blindfolded at that point, cause you're so close and it's so muscle memory at that point that it doesn't matter if you think he's going to miss because he's had a rough night. He's going to make it just on muscle memory alone because that's how that works. I mean, these are professional athletes. And yes, kickers are professional athletes, whether you want to believe it or not. And so it, it was just baffling to watch the clock continue to run and continue to run. And you're right. Like, it was like, I'm thinking to myself, is he saving up sick days? Like, I know, like, if I save up my sick days, I could go on a, a nice vacation. Maybe that's what he was doing. I... I love the tweet. I don't remember who tweeted it out. I think it was Warren Sharp, maybe. Is that is that somebody? Uh, he can turn in hit those last two timeouts for a cherry slushy on the way home. Like <laughs> that's a great line. I wish I would have thought of that. So uh, that one was that one was a good one. I didn't think of it. Find who did. I think it was Warren Sharp. I don't really care. <sighs> what the what? Right? Yeah. I mean, that was the response I had. Okay. It was, and let me let me just rant a little more here. I'm going to continue on. I appreciate you allowing it to happen. This wasn't a game that either team should have won. That's really what it boils down to. This wasn't a game that either team should have won, but it also wasn't a game that the Denver Broncos should have lost. That That's the part that bothers me the most, is that it really feels like the Broncos lost this game. It wasn't that the, the Titans won it. right? You know how you walk away from a game I'm not talking about moral victories. I'm just talking about you know that a team won the game. They went out and they took it. I I don't get the sense that the Titans went out and took this game. This was the Denver Broncos losing this game. They lost this game. And it was sloppy. And it was, you know, I, I think youth sort of showed up tonight, that kind of thing, where you had... Jerry Judy make a couple of mistakes with some drops. You had a few penalties pop up that got you. It just was these little things that happen to young teams that are unprepared, and they just lost the game. And it's really frustrating because they had the lead right up to the end. Well, and we thought we were done with 2019 because 2020 has just been such an effed up, wild, historic crazy year but no we're still stuck in 2019 where the broncos can't finish games and it's highly ironic and i think this is going to follow vic fangio as long as he's in denver death by inches again this is the fifth game now that the broncos have lost when they were leading with under 30 seconds in the fourth quarter this is becoming a trend it's maddening it's maddening so I, I, I just I, I I don't want to blame Vic Fangio because there, as you mentioned, the the huge drop from Jerry Judy that could potentially be viewed as not just a drive killer but a game killer with under five minutes left. That whatever the hell that was from Pat Shermer on fourth and one from the the one yard line to do a shovel pass to Jake Butt, I. Why do you have Melvin Gordon and sign him to a $16 million contract 
and you run a shovel pass on fourth and one from the one, I, there's just there's a lot of things in this game that are baffling. And as you said, the reason it's so frustrating is because the Broncos should have won this game. The Titans didn't win this game. The Broncos lost it. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's it's funny because if you look at what the Titans did, and I'm not going to get into stats right now. We can we can go into stats, uh, you know, on a, on a different podcast. But if you just sort of watched this game, one of the things that everybody anticipated happening, everybody thought was going to happen, is that Derrick Henry was going to run roughshod over a depleted Denver Broncos defense. That's what everybody thought was going to happen. And, and make no mistake, Derrick Henry got his yards, right? Derrick Henry, lots of carries, lots of yards, but he didn't really impact the game in the way that a lot of experts thought. And the Broncos' defense did a really good job of limiting the impact that Derrick Henry and his yards had on the game. What that translated to was a very low-scoring game. You you end up with a, a team that's been, it's been, don't break, and we're fine with that, right? We've seen that in Denver for a long, long time, and it and it works great, right? They were number one in the red zone in, on defense in 2019. Fantastic. I would love to see that continue. But when you have all of the little mistakes that add up and the penalties that sort of continue to allow drives to keep going the aj johnson you know the alexander johnson uh penalty which i still don't know what it was for i was hoping someone would give me an explanation i really didn't understand what that penalty was the it was a personal foul because he pushed somebody i mean that's really as much as i could get out of it but even that those are those little things that you do something good interception by michael ojemudier for his first career interception negated by A.J. Johnson because he he pushed a guy. I, it was really, that's what I'm going to call it. Personal foul, number 45 for pushing that guy. We shouldn't have pushed him. Okay, fine. But those are the kinds of things that when you walk away from a game like this, it drives you nuts. And, you know, and I'll go back to the, the fourth and one, the shovel pass to Jake Butt. That's why Rich Scangarello isn't in Denver anymore. Because you don't want to run plays like that. So it didn't make sense. You had what what you have in the Denver Broncos offense right now is a bunch of young guys that are trying to meld and mesh and and, and make things work. If you've got third and one and fourth and one, second and goal, whatever whatever the situation is, not a single shot to Noah Fant in on a fade or some type of post up move that he could make. You didn't go play action and and, and try and hit Tim Patrick, who is a big receiver in the end zone, you you didn't utilize any of your weapons other than Melvin Gordon and then a weird shovel pass. To me, that's another one of those situations where it's it's clearly a problem of preparation. You don't have enough time to prepare. You haven't played any preseason games. You don't really know what works and what doesn't work. And it's just sort of a maddening, like, it, it's... It's just mad. You're right. The word is maddening. We are we are mad. It is maddening. It's maddening. And it doesn't help that it's almost midnight on Monday night. Almost because... midnight. Almost one, sir. Uh, Central time. <laughs> I, I so that's something else that have the West Coast teams, meaning 
Seattle or California play in the second game of this doubleheader, to have it in the mountain time zone is ridiculous. And I'm going to say something else that we didn't touch on before. Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet need to be the number one ESPN football broadcasting group. Not for college football, NFL. Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet need to be the number one broadcast team for ESPN NFL. Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and whatever his name Lewis, is. Louis Riddick. Louis Riddick. Suck. <laughs> Brian Greasy is horrible. Steve Levy made so many mistakes. So many mistakes. And then they would, when they would talk, I always felt like Louis Riddick was answering a different question than what was asked. Or the the answer that he gave didn't fit what he would say exactly he would say something like exactly right and then say the opposite of what was said and so how could that have been exactly right i was i spent a lot of my time listening to them being very confused by by what they said and thinking to myself well this is dumb i just don't i don't enjoy this and i i don't think it really matters who the announcers are that is one thing i will say i no, at a certain point i just i know that's something that that's fodder for a conversation and it's great and you're not wrong Kirk Herbstreet and Fowler and Herbstreet are a phenomenal duo and they should be doing pro football. They should be doing Monday night football. It's their marquee show on ESPN. Why don't you have your best announcers doing it? I get that, but it just, it, it really, what it did was it added to the frustration of watching this game where the Denver Broncos should have won a game and they couldn't get it done. Now I'm going to try and, tweak this a little bit i'm going to say something to you i told you i was going to say something and i wanted to see your reaction i think that one of the denver broncos that had one of the best games on the field of everybody was garrett Garrett bowles that's right i did you ever did they say his name did you hear the referees call his number i am just as shocked as you are that like nothing he was he was there. I know he was there, but nobody mentioned him. That is exactly what you want from your left tackle. You want your left tackle to be anonymous throughout the game. And Garrett Bowles, for the first time in his entire career, I guarantee it, was anonymous for the Denver Broncos. And I love it. I love it. I hope for his sake and for this team's sake that that means that he's turned a corner. I, I can't tell you that that is what it means because I'm not sure I believe it, but at least for a night, it was. The problem is it didn't happen in a win. Oh, it's such a bummer. I think the thing about the broadcast group is it just it puts the mustard on the turd sandwich that was this outcome in football game. And there are still some positive things that you can take away from this game. You mentioned the the lock to Fant touchdown, and that was a response to Tennessee scoring first. There was the Melvin Gordon touchdown to make up for his huge fumble that proved to be a costly turnover. The Broncos lost the turnover battle again. They didn't create a turnover. So there are some things that you can that you can be pleased with, given that it was the first game. It was the first game all season the first time they were on the field against a different opponent. Let's not forget that Tennessee did go to the AFC championship game last year. 
They did go on the road and beat Baltimore and New England. So there is that, but it still it leaves a sour taste in your mouth because the Broncos should have won this game. I I, I joked in, in our Slack channel when Judy had his first drop of the game, well, you won't see that again. Well, Uh-oh. we did see it again. So this is, wait a minute. So this is your fault. It is. <laughs> um, it, it's just, it, I, I think it does tie into 2020 though, because it's just so bizarre. I, I mean, to see the open on Monday night football and to see mile high stadium empty. I've been watching Broncos football for as long as I have been alive. And to see an empty mile high stadium is just so weird and bizarre. I, I wonder how much the fans not being at mile high tied into that long drive where the Titans were backed up on the one yard line after they get that stop after the failed shovel pass to Jake. But I wonder how much it's impacted by not having the Rocky Mountain Thunder at that point because I think it would have been a huge impact on Tannehill because the fan, the fans would have been incredibly loud at that point because Broncos country is incredibly intelligent on when to be loud. So I think that's a moment where you saw the fans not being in the stands impact the game. But also the fact that going back to the maddening, when in the hell are the Broncos going to be be able to cover a tight end? I I, I honestly we we've talked about this ever since we started recording this podcast two hundred and sixty I think this is two hundred and sixty six or two hundred sixty seven I'll have to look at my stats but yeah I, I, it has been it has been at least that long and longer I mean we both know it's been longer than that and so you know it's one of those things where it. It just, it's, I, I, I think I texted you tonight. It's the Rocky Mountain Air. That's, that's what we're going to blame. We, we can't blame coaching staffs. We can't blame players because it just keeps happening. So I'm just going to blame the, the Rocky Mountain Air. That's, that's what I'm going to do because it's, that's just what it is. So can I, can I pat myself on the back a little bit? Do you mind if I do that? Go for it. All right. So in our, in our uh, preview show of this game, I made a mention of, of the key to the game, and that was points, right? And I said the Broncos have to score a lot of points. And I also said that I didn't think they were ready to, to you know, win close games. Uh, th- this, is, this is sort of indicative of that. This game was a pretty good example of what I was talking about. The, the Broncos are still in that place where close games like this – for whatever reason, they can't quite get it done. And so they've got to blow teams out. And they did not do that against the Titans. And, I, you know, I, you talked about the Titans being a team that went to the AFC championship game, that, that went on the road and beat uh, some really good teams in Baltimore and New England. And, and I agree with you on that. I don't think this is the same team uh, because of all of the losses that they had on defense. But I do think that that type of experience helped a lot of the players that were still on the team. So I, I, I will give them credit there. But this was a situation where as things got tighter, the Broncos got tighter. And I don't mean tighter in a good way. I mean, they tightened up, and you could sort Agreed. of see that happening. And I know I, I said I wasn't going to talk about stats. I was going to try and avoid that. But if you look at the Titans' stat line, and you just look at what Ryan Tannehill did, 29 of 43 for 249 yards isn't isn't blowing anybody out of the water. 
but he throws for two touchdowns. And those two touchdowns are incredibly important scores because it puts them in a position to win this game. And if you look at what Drew Locke did, Drew Locke, not dissimilar to what Tannehill did, 22 completions for 216 yards, but it was little things like those drops. The Jerry Judy drops were the ones that really got to me. Those were the ones that sort of stood out as this is this is a problem. Now, first game in the NFL, I'm sure he's going to have some of those nerves going. I will tell you the thing that I get nervous about having seen that is does that become an issue for him? Does he get the dropsies? You know, is that something that's going to stick with him because you know he's sort of stuck <laughs> with having those those drops and and hopefully he it doesn't stick with him. Hopefully he doesn't have that become an issue. But it, it certainly felt like in that moment when he should have caught that ball and you know there's mention of he didn't know what to do after he dropped it because he never drops a ball. Well, he's going to learn what to do, and I would rather him not learn that. But those are the kinds of things where you look at the stat lines and you go, it's actually pretty similar. The the stats between Tennessee and Denver are pretty similar. It really boils down to those little mistakes that the Broncos made that just killed them in in big drives, in big moments. And Tennessee didn't make them. I think that's one of the things that show you a winning football team from a team that's still learning. Regardless if Tennessee is still the same team as they were or as it was a year ago, it still knows how to win. And for whatever reason, as you mentioned earlier, the Broncos just don't know how to finish games off. And I, I don't know if that's because of youth. It doesn't help to have a head coach that holds on to his timeouts at the end of the game. I, I mean, you have a guy who can kick a 60-yard field goal, you don't need a lot of yardage at that point if you're Drew Locke, Pat Shermer, and the Broncos' offense. It's not the only reason the Broncos lost, but it doesn't help. And it's, I, I think that's talking about those little mistakes. It, 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 that's what accentuates all of this is because one of the players who really stood out to me and had they won, he would have gotten my game ball is Sam Martin. He did exactly what the Broncos special teams have needed since what Tom ruin (laughs) might be about right. Yep. Being able to pin teams deep and because the offense can't have a sustained drive, you're gassed. You can't cover tight ends. So of course, even at the 10-yard line, the Titans are able to go from the 10 and go down and kick the game-winning field goal. But I think that's one of the other positives that can come out of this is the Broncos finally have a punter who can pin teams deep. Now it's just a matter of playing complementary football where you have an offense that can get a sustained drive to give your defense the ability to take a break and not get gassed. I mean, there was a, a point in the second quarter where Tennessee, or in the second, in the third quarter rather, where Tennessee had run 19 plays and the Broncos had run six. You yeah. can't do that in your first game, regardless if it's preseason or regular season. You can't do that to your defense against a guy like Derrick Henry. 
Yeah, I actually tweeted out the Broncos ran exactly six more plays in the third quarter than I did. So it was like they they just weren't there. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a little more positivity on this. I'm gonna try and and put a little positivity on this fire, and maybe it'll it'll make it burn a little nicer. I was on um with I was on KOA. It was with Broncos Country tonight with with Ryan and Ben on Friday before the game, and uh, we talked about whether or not this team was going to be just great out of the gate and that kind of stuff. And one of the things that we that was brought up, and Ryan brought it up, and I thought it was a really smart thing to remember, is that it's going to be bumpy, right? The road is going to be bumpy. And this is one of those bumps in the road that I think that not just the players, but the coaching staff is going to have to go through. And you have to remember that Vic Fangio has been so focused on coaching defenses for the last 648 years, I think that's how long it's been, that – he, I think, gets locked into things and isn't quite sure what to do as a head coach. And I'm unfortunately, or, or fortunately for him, I, I guess I'll say, I'm going to be a little more lenient with him about that, maybe than I should be, because I see what he's done with this defense. I think this defense can still be great. The other thing that you have to remember is, you know, we talk about the pendulum swing, right? Well, as a pendulum swings back to go back up, it's got to go down first. And I think that the pendulum is still kind of on that downward trajectory with this Broncos team where you still are, you're going to go up. You're going to have a nice big upswing. You've got good young talent. You've got a coaching staff that I think can be very successful together, but they're going to have to get back to that upswing. And part of that is going to be learning how to manage a game clock when it's less than a minute left in the game. And all you got to do is stop them from wasting all your time and at least give your kicker a chance. I mean, they only needed 20 yards to get into Brandon McManus's range at the end of the game there. And they had no time to get it, so it really was frustrating. Then you also have Cortland Sutton didn't play. Philip Lindsay went out, which impacted the way that they played the game. I think it impacted their game plan. You didn't have Von Miller to start the game because he's out for the, pretty much the rest of the season. There are a lot of things that happened with the Denver Broncos, A.J. Boye went out. Let's not forget about that. We didn't even bring that up. So you lose A.J. Boye, and hopefully not to something too terrible. It sounded like uh, from reports that it was just a, a just a dislocated shoulder, uh, which means they could pop it back in, but he wasn't coming back into the game, but hopefully back for week two. You have injuries that sort of keep popping up. So even with all that, you had a Denver Broncos team that was able to hang with the Tennessee Titans team, and for all intents and purposes, should have beaten them and just didn't close the deal when it was time to close the deal. So it's not as if the the sky is falling. It's not as if the cave has, has caved in and we're trapped inside. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Help me find another cliche. The Broncos can still be successful in 2020, but I think this does show us that if they do find a lot of success this season, it'll be a year too early. It'll be a year earlier than anybody should be anticipating because they're really not quite there. And they're still a really young team. I mean, one of the things Brian Greasy touched on multiple times tonight is the fact that the average age for the Broncos offense is 25. So it's still a young offense. So it's still learning. So that's where the drops to Jerry Judy Hopefully it's not something that turns into a bigger issue. Hopefully, I, I what I'm guessing is he's going to get right in front of a jugs machine probably tomorrow and just start catching balls, 100, 200, 500, 
like a free throw shooter or a baseball hitter. He's going to get in the cage or get to the free throw line and just shoot until he gets that muscle memory and's like, okay, I feel comfortable now. Um, so there, there are things to, to look at. I, it's just what's so frustrating is it felt like 2019 all over again. And it's not necessarily from the players. It's from the coaching staff. This is, I mean, one of the things that we've touched on, one of the things that gets talked about a lot is the veteran coaching staff. It didn't look like a veteran coaching staff tonight. It looked like a coaching staff that was coaching its first game. Not of the season, ever. I, I, I mean, maybe that's being a little hyperbolic, but I, it, there is positive, there is negative. It will, it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. I, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of it. That Pittsburgh defense looks like it's going to be a massive challenge for this Broncos offense that struggled against the Titans. But I, it's a learning moment. It's a learning moment for Vic Fangio. It's a learning moment for Pat Shermer. It's a, a learning moment for Michael Ojemudier with his costly pass, pass interference penalty. One of the things that bothers me is Alexander Johnson was tackled by the Titans center. And you had a referee and a linesman. What were they looking at where you see a linebacker tackled? But it will be interesting to see where the Broncos go from here. Because it's not going to get any easier. They go on the road to Pittsburgh. But as I said, it's a learning moment. It's a learning moment for everyone on that roster, on the coaching staff. We'll see what they do from here. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.